I didn't say yes to being reported. Shut your ass. This is an attack by the state. Oh my god. It's starting like this, bro. It starts like this. I thought we would be very kosher, very clean, you know. No. What the? No, we are full haram, my bro. Uh, okay, oh, yeah. so let me just quickly do an introduction. Welcome to the Skit Gatis uh, podcast. <laughs> where we we Skit Gatis today. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll mute myself when I do this. Foolish. We want to hear I will, you. Uh, I will put the audio yeah. in when he does wait. it. <laughs> yeah. Wait, but we should introduce ourselves. Okay, I like, well, go. we should introduce the podcast and ourselves as individuals and then. We can carry on. We can go alphabetically. M, uh, Stalin, MK, Libans, and then I can go. All right, cool. So the reason why I go alphabetically is because my name is actually Aiden, not Stalin. But we'll get into that story oh, in a podcast episode at some point. And we'll talk about how I got that nickname. Um, yeah, this is... Uh, my name is Aiden. Uh, I'm a, a young South African... Uh, yeah, is it? I have to, to introduce myself in this format. Hey, bro, you were youth until you were youth so, until you thirty-five, bro. You were you were youth I am not yet eligible for the vaccine, so yeah, right that's my short introduction. Um, okay, yes, beautiful. That's a beautiful introduction, Aiden. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you. you. Oh, must I introduce myself now? Yes, oh, you, right. you are next. Hi. Hi, my name is Antrique, and I am completely unqualified to have conversations about critical theory as we sit here among these legends. There we go. What the fuck's That's my introduction. About critical theory, man? Hey, man, we're talking you, about deep things here. Podcast, man. Can I introduce myself again? Can yeah. I get impressions yeah. lost too, bro. Okay, okay. Oh, yes. Good impression. First, good. Imp- oh, yeah. Oof. First impression, <laughs> take two, <laughs> take two. Hi, I am Andrique and I make music and I read the news and I was a journalist and I'm best friends with these fools. Best friend Beautiful. with these fools. Beautiful. That's okay. Okay, Lee. All right. Uh, my name is Lee. I'm best friends friend with these fools. Um, I am a English high school, a high school English teacher. And um, that's my profession, my legit profession. Um, and I love talking about the various things with uh, my best friends. And this podcast is just to formalize that and share that with the rest of the world. Because, yeah, I think some of the stuff we talk about should be shared. And yeah, here we are. Uh, that was beautiful, guys. I'm Walton. I, I, I don't really know these guys. I, I, they just asked me to be part of their Zoom. Uh, I'm a PhD student at, at Brown University in the States, but I'm a, a Cape Town, you know, through and through Northern suburbs lately. So uh, I'm, yeah, I'm looking for j- jokes aside, these are my best friends, and I'm looking forward to discussing the things that we discuss in private publicly uh, because I think we talk about things in a way that's uh, accessible and available and uh, you know we're just trying to get our politics uh, out and be serious about what liberation is 
I know today we're supposed to talk about uh, Enrique and his music career, but uh, we also, I don't know what? if Aiden wants to, I don't know if Aiden wants to uh, yeah. introduce start, to Aiden, introduce it to us. start us off. I just uh, hope you guys know that I didn't, re- I didn't prep, just, yeah. just, just. But so I, I, I hate you but... so much. <laughs> <laughs> band days already like i know just like what's what what like, i can do though lyrics is, we still don't have what lyrics. i can do though is give you some nice a- asmr no i don't want your asmr but uh, your okay. your porn up channel is enough for me Aiden, what, what are we talking about bro? um before we get into that uh you can go and follow andrik's porn up channel it's called bucket chips and a bit <laughs> asmr <laughs> <laughs> and that's my flow joke for the day. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, maybe a bit of background about uh, how this podcast came about. Uh, I think. Hold on, we didn't say that the podcast name is exactly the Jillian Custard Podcast. The Jillian Custard no. Podcast, and uh, I know. Okay, uh, sorry. A bunch no, of our listeners five. out there are like the one person who's probably listening to this right now. Um, probably wondering where that name comes from and actually it's because we are all lovers of the superstars super well you're the only superstar here mk and mk's also got a story wow um yeah and so we just decided like walton said to speak about things that matter to us um and i actually shared with the guys an article the other day about this new thing that cape town's doing um, if you haven't guessed by now, we're all from Cape Town um, originally. Um, some of us are all over the world, uh, physically and metaphorically, like MK. But um, <clears throat> yeah, I just thought we'd talk about this digital nomad stuff. Just to give a bit of context, Cape Town's been playing around with promoting itself as a like destination for digital nomads. Um, and what the digital nomad is, nobody knows. All I know is those people who sit on beaches in Bali and like contribute to the pollution of other countries in the world. <laughs> That's my two cents. And I don't do, um, yeah. And I just thought it was an interesting thing to kick off our, our pilot episode. Um, what do you For guys sure. think? I, I, I do want to add to that. I know you, you said like you, nobody really knows what a digital nomad is and, and we really don't, but there is like one definition circulating and that it's, you know, people in, especially now in like the COVID moment, it's people who have the capacity to live anywhere in the world and still make a salary in their home country. Uh, so and maybe I'll just like jump in with my opinion on this because I, I like I read the two articles that you said and then I went to go read a, a, a couple of other things, but I was really thinking about how uh, Cape Town is already a mess of gentrification. Like it's already a serious issue. Like we have black people being moved, forced out of their homes, sold to this day, being bought out, uh, being um, taxed out. Uh, you know, rates yep. and stuff like that, forcing people to to leave their homes. We think about Woodstock, Salt River areas like that now at the moment. But I think that's just going to expand further and further if like Cape Town becomes the site for this new digital nomad culture, because South Africa's exchange rate is already so weak uh, in comparison to like the dollar or the euro or the 
whatever uh, whatever Western capitalist currency is is circulating at the moment, that it's easy. It's very easy to earn, for instance, like a thousand dollars and live comfortably in Cape Town. That is legitimately an easy thing to do. That is two hundred and fifty dollars a week. Yeah. And even like the the you know like a lot of people working in the states can can access that kind of money. So it's disheartening for me as a Catonian to think about the fact that what is going to come out of Cape Town's push for this new digital nomad nonsense is uh, uh, an even further iteration of gentrification. But not even gentrification for like white South Africans, gentrification for like international white people uh, or inter- any international person. And I think I, 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 I love to have uh, visitors to our country, but I think we need to take care of the uh, large immigrant population that's in, in, the, in the city already, as well as the people who are residing in the city. Uh, anybody who who is black and poor and residing in the city needs to be taken care of before we start making special passport announcements for digital nomads. People can have extra visa time and all of this stuff. I think that's, you know, that's absolute nonsense. Yeah, I think, you know what this is? In the last year, um, people have been more reluctant to go move into the city because there are big companies that are like one that my cousin works for uh, where they where they just announced that they will be working from home for the next five years. They only renewed like a quarter of their rental premises in Cape Town CBD and used that extra money to subsidize offices if you're working from home. So like, what do you need? You need desk because that's another thing I'm going to get at with working from home is the companies actually gaining much more and you are actually spending more to set up your workspace, but that's another story. But how do you re-get, how do you how do you recoup that cash from people more reluctant to stay closer to the city? You do this digital nomad nonsense because now people are staying in northern suburbs, they're staying further out in Paul, and they don't have to commute. And companies are seeing that, so that all these property developers and people are just bad landlords or are just milking people for money. Yeah. They now are thinking, and a lot of these people have their connections within the city of Cape Town. So how can they do that? If you're working for Google or Amazon and you relocate to Cape Town, you're not getting less than 3,000 US a month as your salary. Yeah, you're but... living large. You're living large. So it's not just about, Wilton is 100% right. Like what about the people in Cape Town? And all that is going to do is then increase the property prices i have a i have a colleague who's from dublin he's from ireland from dublin he's like people irish people can't even really afford to move from the countryside to dublin even if you're a teacher because when once facebook and google sets up offices there their people earn so much that yeah um rental in rental prices have been pushed up to a point where that pushes like local people out um and that's that's what I think the city is trying to do is trying to recoup that dip in rental GDP or like the provincial um, income from those property prices where people would go stay in town and not commute and pay crazy prices. And now that's not a necessity anymore. Um, and it's affecting like 
municipal fees that's affecting the rates you know they're not getting that income as much anymore so let's open it up for this nonsense um yeah yeah I, sorry i i know mk probably want to say something but i think i think what's bothersome also to me is that uh you know i know not every landlord is a bad person let me just say that like every every landlord isn't a bad system but the, the lands landlordship you know the system of of land being a landlord is so is so bad it's it's um exploitative in mm. in general and it's very um i don't know it's it's just scary for me that that uh what the city of cape town is wanting to invest in is bringing you know people in from the international arena to come and uh bolster the industry of being a landlord that for me is deeply bothersome because it means that again i'm just going to keep probably repeating this in different words but like poor people are going to be the brunt of this you know i i know people aren't going to be uh, uh i it's it's hard to talk about Cape Town because Cape Town is a deeply capitalist city, with the DA at its head. You know they never let go of the National Party after the end of apartheid. All of these things, uh, but I just feel like every time something like this comes around, it's it's black and poor people who are gonna uh, 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 suffer at the end of this. And by black, I, I need to be very clear that I that I also mean this. You know, category of colored. Uh, in, in South Africa, because just I know so, some people are gonna uh, wonder about what I mean by black. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Anybody else can can jump in. MK with his notches, Uncle Omamoto. No. No, I think I think at this point, like where we are in 2021, with everything that has happened in the world in the last two years we can say two years even if it's a year and a half because this, this, these things are going to extend for years to come mm-hmm. but i think what's yep. dangerous about um almost putting a hand out and saying um come live here cheaply basically um is that as much as we as much as we among four us um four of us believe that the system of economics in the country needs to change the system of employment and unemployment in south africa is of such a nature that if you are a youth, if you are somebody matriculating now, you're probably not going to get employed, right? Yeah. And for me, it's for me, for me, the last few years, I've always thought about this thing of being able to open up spaces, um, being able to, because because my main focus, my, my my main thing that I've I've been taking from this is that this is going to take up spaces that the youth in South Africa should be taking 100%, 100%. up, because. For the last, let's say, 10, 15 years, government's entire entire push has been for young kids coming out of matric, never mind the arts, never mind all of that other nonsense, but STEM, science, technology, and all of that nonsense. So you have kids coming out in IIT, and I mean, there are, there are children, kids, high school kids developing apps to track water. Um, there's a lighty here that, that developed an app uh, and, and, a, and a mechanism to detect uh, COVID-19 without having to screen through the nose and all that stuff. So they are brilliant the minds. The ventilation system, like that, that yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, yeah can yes. detect if someone in a room yes. has... Yeah. That, that's, that's wild shit. So 
these are these this is the talent and 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 the brain that is that is coming out of south africa and you're going to have to those kids are going to have to work even harder those kids are going to have to push even harder because google setting up a plant here amazon is setting up head office here um whoever is and the jobs that these kids are going to get are service jobs customer service where they have to go and and talk to international people and our our youth unemployment rate right now is 46.3%. That's almost 50% of our youth that are unemployed and not making a living looking after themselves. So it's always a point of what is an international investment going to do for the for the for the especially the young people that are there because we are a country that skews older. We are a country that skews older and our youth are just aging up and up and up without being employed without having that sense of shall i say self-fulfillment we are able to take care of yourself we're able to take care of the people around you yeah, because and you that, know, kind of, that, that kind of that kind of thing is very important percentage of the employment you say like 46 is unemployed right yeah and the others are in crappy jobs yeah, <laughs> yeah. i mean like yeah. earning yeah. Minimum, minimum wage sorry you can, yeah. you can uh, i mean uh, our government doesn't doesn't strictly tell you what employment is it just means yeah, that you go. you you go to a job every day and you get just get a certain amount of money for work. <laughs> that doesn't mean that you're getting a living wage out of it, even. But imagine those the, the, that youth. That's we're just repeating what happened in uh, before '94, even like where you are do, where you're not employed, you're not able to access employment, you're not able to access self fulfillment, and that has generational repercussions again. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's I agree. me. Sorry, guys. Yeah, no, I mean it's it's like it's right up there. I think like we talk so much about skills development in this country, and then like you get this kind of importing of it happening, and there's no yeah. there's no kind of building up of the resources that we have in the country. And um, one of the articles that I shared with you guys, the one was uh, a report on a study that happened that like puts uh, Cape Town in like the top five. Um, yeah, uh, the most popular city for digital nomads in Africa, um, and on that on the top five of that list is like Marrakesh in Morocco, Nairobi in Kenya, Zanzibar in Tanzania, and Cairo in Egypt. Um, Cairo, yeah, yeah, and it's this idea, and that's now pushing the city of Cape Town to pursue an idea of a, like an e visa, where it's like a three month to a year kind of period. Um, yeah. And interestingly enough, some of the, the reasons why Cape Town is such a good city for this is this idea, oh, there's like lots of cafes to work from. And it's just like, are the only jobs for like, are the only jobs that get created in Cape Town, like that first level jobs? I don't even know how to say it. Um, or what the proper term about. is. Because like, clearly um, there's a you know, like service jobs or, or, yeah. So, yeah. Um, and it's worrying. I mean, it's really worrying. Like the story of the guy who made the COVID test is really cool. Like, you know, like where is that kind of being taken up? Um, right. I also saw the the um, Isaac Mutant film at the Encounters the other day. And that was, he said this line that I think is just, just to touch on what Walton said about um, the term colored and blackness is like, um, he thinks of coloredness as this like, it's like, it's a minority discourse. Like, why would you call yourself? Why would you want to be in the minority? Why wouldn't you want to be in the majority? Anyway, that's an aside as I, as I do. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
yeah I like your side I, I just think like I think it's I think it's messed up like the city thinks that Cape Town is just a city bowl um, and that's a problem yeah yeah I I, I also want to uh, you know I, I I feel like I'm gonna keep coming back to the same talking points forever but like I think this is a crisis of capitalism honestly like this is a thing about uh, first of all how how does the city of Cape Town consider itself an authority in trying to provide uh, like improved visa conditions for people who want to come live in the city but work elsewhere but they're not like they're not betting for poor immigrants uh, poor no. people who are coming here for refuge from other countries that are war torn uh, you know because of US involvement and, and European involvement and all of these things. So they're willing to, you know, put everything on the line to rewrite diplomacy in South Africa for the sake of rich people or people who can, who are earning above yeah. a certain bracket, but they're not willing to put in the same effort, the same energy into <clears throat> thinking about what does it mean to take care of our, our brothers and sisters and comrades and, and people from other parts of the continent, from Angola, from, you know, uh, the DRC, from wherever, wherever folks are coming from, from Zim, you know, we have such a large Zimbabwean uh, population in South Africa, but we're not taking care of these people. We, everybody, all, everybody, will say, people always want to say, oh, you know, like, I love employing a Zimbabwean person because they work so hard and all of this shit. But they're not willing to actually, like, make an if a real effort to improve the material conditions of these people's lives for South African youth. They can't even do it for South exactly, exactly. And and so and so now, I don't know. I I I just I just feel like the. Like I started with this, you know, this last so thing that I'm purpose, saying now is that Aiden, in the article, this, this is honestly what, like a crisis of capitalism, bro. Sorry, go on. Why, 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 what's the word from the city of Cape Town? Like, what do they say? Why, why are they doing this? What is their reason? As far as like, I can what, tell, the reason is to promote, reasons? to promote uh, like know, like, what do they economic say? development like, is, and things like that. I just saw now another article, um, about Westgrow, you know, Westgrow is this uh, sort of development corporation entity of oh, the state they, of they the Western Cape yeah. government. I'm not really sure about the full details of it, and maybe I need to go and educate myself on that. But, but the investment the, arm of the Western the, Cape government. Are they doing that the No, that's that's growth point. That's a private story. Oh, that's sorry. not even the. Like that's that's what's scary. That's not even the city. That's a private. Yeah. The waterfront is a private thing. Anyway, um, yeah. but but Westgrow has has apparently been in talks, and this is an article from March of this year, um, is apparently in talks with Airbnb to try and provide cheaper accommodation for digital nomads. So it goes back to the kind of conversation that's about sick. landlords. And that's like that. disgusting. Um, and also, like we know that Airbnb, the Airbnb uh, model. Uh, the Airbnb model, but also the laissez-faire, like the relaxed way in which the city of Cape Town yeah. has dealt with Airbnb, has basically uh, contributed, if not caused, like the pro the property bubble in the city. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's pushed up prices to the extent where, like, 
I don't know, like I have friends in Joburg who are like, who are renting a two bedroom apartment for like, like a massive, like, I don't know, like almost hundred square meter two bedroom apartment for 7,000 Rand. And you like, what? <laughs> Joburg, <laughs> like, and, and you're, like, yeah. you're like, what? Cape Town, what? <laughs> like, what is going on? Um, so it's obscene. I mean, I want to ask a question to you guys. Like, so that first article was about the study saying that Cape Town's like the best mm. in Africa. How would you guys feel about like so-called digital nomads coming from other parts of the continent to Cape Town? Uh, so I, I will weigh in here because I feel like I, I have so many things to say about this, but I think like, I honestly feel that I would be a bit more at ease with people from uh, from like the rest of the continent, but there's still a difficulty in me with like fully coming to terms with it because it still means that uh, people who, who need adequate housing from South Africa and from elsewhere are still not gonna ex- to be able to access it because of, because, you know, there's another there's another hurdle in the way. So there's like there's another another, another yeah. group of folks coming in. Um, I don't know. I, I, I it's a I, bit of a catch twenty two, isn't it? It would it would unsettle me. It would unsettle me in the way it unsettles me that like you know we have billionaires and black billionaires in South Africa, for instance. Mm. Like the same kind of unsettling feeling will will come up in me if you oh, ask thanks. you know if I, if I'm to if I, if I'm to respond like directly to your question about how it would make me feel. Um, it, it I would feel very unsettled with with that, and it would challenge my politics because I'm a Pan Africanist, but also I I need to think about you know the people that are already in my country mm. and their safety and security and, and, and their health and well-being. Build a wall. Yeah. <laughs> hey, fuck off. It, Don't it, even say like that shit on this podcast. Sound like a I nationalist. Can, can, I, can I complicate <laughs> it a bit also? This <laughs> <laughs> is a really complicated, Aiden. What do you <laughs> want to do? Africa let, me just, let, me just, let me just throw another spanner into the work. So the whole idea I know behind... <laughs> the whole idea behind yeah. the digital nomad thing as well is this idea that People come to a space, but they're working, but they're working in a space that's normally a holiday space. So they're able to, so they have a better quality of life because they're in a place, for example, like Cape Town, where you can just go and run up Lion's Head, you know, like, yeah, anyway. Um, <laughs> people like that kind of, it's a lifestyle thing more than like, uh, so it you goes see, back to this, what you were this, saying, Antti. This, this, this kind of brings back to me the idea of, the idea of how number one, the Western Cape is perceived and how it perceives itself and also how the city of Cape Town sells itself, it's right? Yeah. It's, it's, it's all marketing. Now, the, the problem with that marketing is once again, we have to look at the history of the city of Cape Town and how it was spatially planned because those geographic locations, they, 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 What's the right word? They, they capture they, they, and, and hold groups of yeah. people away from one another. Now, once again, the city of Cape Town, when they do their tourism bids, once again, with this, um, uh, with this endeavor, they are selling certain spaces as being Cape Town, yeah. right? Which means that locally, economically, 
those areas are going to be on the receiving end of whatever cash comes in from yep. the salary that you're drawing from overseas, the, the benefits that you're drawing from overseas. It's only going to be in that small geographic location. This is not going to go into books. This is not going to Langa. This is not going to go into Cryfontaine or Belha or wherever because those are, quote unquote, not desirable for the city of Cape Town. That's once again how, how Camps Bay and Clifton and the CBD and the City Bowl and all of these southern suburbs areas are going to keep flourishing because that money is just going to circulate there again. That's that for me, when I think about it, really, that is the biggest issue that I have with this. Because what is the point of, of bringing investment in? It's for the entire city to enjoy it. But that's not the model that the city of Cape Town has worked with. I mean, to me, this just seems like the same story, just a different face. Definitely. I think yeah. like also this, this, this oh, it's the same the face. I'm is... sorry. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. No, no go ahead. I just want to say that it's the same face. Yeah. I want to say that it's the same face. It's capitalism and whiteness. I yeah. know we had a black, we've been having a black government since 94, the ANC and all of that, but, and I'm not saying like there's some, you know, white mastermind pulling the strings, but I mean, what I mean when I say it's the same face is that the same business owners who existed under apartheid and were making millions in profit early, exploiting black people under apartheid are still doing exactly the same thing now. Yeah. yeah. So, the, and those are still the same people who are making the decisions in the, in a place like the Western Cape, because they yeah. are the ones who are funding and funneling money into the DA's, uh, attempts to write and rewrite policy in, in yeah. the province. So I, I, as much as I, you know, like I agree with everything, I just wanted to uh, add that phrasing. But I think also like something that Aiden said earlier about, um, you know, about the, the CB, the city bowl really being uh, viewed as Cape Town and everything else is kind of peripheral. I, I, I think, you know, again, crisis of capitalism because so many people who work in the city center yeah. are coming from Mitchell's. I know so many people who are coming yeah. from Mitchell's Plain who work, you know, at Woolworths headquarters or Kales River who work at Woolies or Atlantis, you know, yeah. coming, traveling into the city. Oh. All of those people should have access to the living spaces in the city and its surrounds. So, how so you know, this? like the District 6, Bull Cup, all of those areas should be uh it should be affordable housing like there's, there's no no two ways about it if we're going to think about what is going to make south africa a fair and equitable society a lot of it has to do with land land rights but also like where are you allowed to live in proximity to the place where you work where you find yourself working because if you have to travel two hours in the morning work an eight hour shift and travel another two hours in the afternoon you don't have a life, you know, there's no, no liberation in that. No, and that, no. that material condition mostly affects black and brown people uh, in South Africa. And now we have this thing about digital nomads where people can live in Cape Town as if they're on perpetual holiday for three months to, to a year because they got a special visa. I mean, come on, man. This is so how about, people how about if you joke. get a, you get your visa, you get your nomad visa, but you can only oh sorry, Melissa's giving me a call quickly. 
And now, <laughs> and now a word from our sponsor. From our sponsors. <laughs> um, yeah, we are proudly sponsor. sponsored by the Democratic Alliance. <laughs> the <city laughs> that works for the you. That works for for you. For few, you hands the brother. You hands the nation. All right. I saw a K party. That's John, man. That's John. John. Oh, nice name is Johan. That's Yanni. I saw a K party. Yanni. Yanni boy. Yanni boy. Okay. Can I? Can I just make my point? So you get. Okay. Wait, 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 wait. Before, before, what if it, it was? Was the call satisfactory? Were you right there? Is Melissa all right? Is everything cool? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I think. Fix this in the edit, now. For Father's Day, remember it's Father's Ooh. Day tomorrow, guys. Oh fuck! Okay, thank you for that reminder. All of you, all of you are getting gifts, including Aiden and Walton. Yes, bro. Lost goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Lee. What was your? What was your... Oh, yeah, yeah. You get your 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 digital nomad visa, but you you it only allows you to live in one of five places. What does that mean? So you can only live in because you you work remotely, so you can only live in Atlantis, Cryfontaine, Cooks, <laughs> <laughs> and so that money, in essence, yeah. circulates there. And then you, and then find small, a loop wait, 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 then small businesses. No, I'm I'm just trying to scenario like how can it work? It, maybe it probably it probably can't because there's going to be a loophole. And then small businesses want to set up like cafes. Um, all these things get subsidized um, to feed that new initiative and you run it for a, a few years and you see what happens but then it's going to take a certain type of person to say okay i want to move to cape town but i can i want to move into this area to do that and i don't think like there's very few people who work for these type of uh, organizations like amazon um, and google and facebook that will actually go and do that because once again Cape Town was marketed by the mountain, you know. Even you stay in Durban, like that. People think, oh, Lee, you live in Cape Town. Yeah, bro. Like, oh, cool. I'm here in Camps Bay. You want to meet up? Like, bro, I don't live there. Like, that's not Cape Town. I live like 45 minutes away. People think that's Cape Town. I can barely see the mountain from here. So, I mean, I mean, I'm just putting some a spanner in the works there, but like, yeah. Look, at least, in an, in an ideal it, in ideal sense, something like that would be better than what they're pitching. But it's because it's not explicitly said what's being done um, that, that it's dangerous because you know where companies are going to put their people. They are not going to put them in Cooks. They're not going to put them in Langa. They're going to put yeah. them there in a nice Airbnb in Clifton. You're going to put them in a nice Airbnb in, in Seapoint or Greenpoint, you know? Um, and that, that is that is that is the problem. Is that it's just the reality? Yeah, I mean that 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 is the reality, and it comes back once again. It comes back to to how capitalism works. And you need to keep the money in a certain circle. You need to keep it rotating in a small circle of people. And if you let go of that, then you are relenting a certain amount of your of your power and capital, and that's going to bite you in the ass later on. That's that's why it's not going to work like that. Yeah, I, I also, also want to ask like, a slight, slight, Oh, sorry, I didn't go. No, I think like I think another thing that is important to to consider in this whole conversation is that these these people or those who would get the dig, the e visa would get the become digital nomads in the city of Cape Town. 
that that whole thing is governed under like this tourism kind of industry thing. So they don't come yeah. as like they don't come as 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 like say temporary residents or they don't come as business. They come as tourists, right? It's almost like an extended tourist visa. So they come here to Yeah, so I have a I have a question then, and I, I know this we might just be speculating on, on this if we if we were to go into it. But like for instance, Amazon coming to Cape Town with headquarters, uh other industry coming to Cape Town with headquarters. Like my initial fear before I even heard about the um, digital nomad situation. Was that they're coming there for tax breaks and tax cuts, like they like they swindled in, the in Ireland, like yeah. they swind, you know, they're swindling in in other places of the world, uh, and I don't know. I I, I feel like I, I mean, there's always someone whose whose pocket pockets are getting lined in in instances like this. But what's what's very concerning for me is that these businesses come to South Africa, operate uh, in Cape Town or wherever they go. And they allowed to, you know, operate with absolute impunity because a, a, a thing like Amazon doesn't just establish headquarters. They like yeah. establish headquarters plus its own postal code. And like, yeah. you know, like they, you know, they like plant themselves in the landscape of a place. No unions. No unions. Well, yeah. Unions probably, get bashed. Unions get bashed instantly. So yeah. I doubt we the amazon no, workers are going to be able to unionize so if they even miss, want to don't think they've ever had a proper uh, toy toy bro <laughs> <Bruh. laughs> i don't think they did for, for that's, the they thing, did. Like, that's the thing i'm 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 yeah, yeah. i'm I'm, con- i'm concerned about tax evasion i'm concerned about uh how you know how how this, this is going to change the landscape a good of, example of, is of, the hisense The good example is a, the Hisense factory that opened up in Atlantis, right? And Atlantis was having a factory drought for a very long time. So Hisense sets up there because they got a massive, massive discount on 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 the, their rental or, or their property because there's nothing there. And they treat their people like crap because if you don't like it, leave. There's plenty of people waiting outside with their CVs. And... I don't even think there's a, I don't know if they unionize there. I'm not too sure what's the story, but like from what my cousins tell me, it's just basic. People are so desperate that they just put up with it and they save so much because they don't need to drive to Big Bay to work at Edgar's or something like that. That that petrol cost, that transportation costs, is, it saves a lot. And um, so people just end up working there, you know, and they allow to get away with a lot of things, not because it, and a lot of stuff goes unreported because they just don't want to, rock the boat because they know like okay i'm gonna get fired or like what other options do i have and i think if the state had to say okay if you're gonna come and set up here uh you do get certain cuts but at least 60 to 60 percent of these type of entry-level workers need to be south african young youth like i don't know man like Like the government's not creating jobs and if companies want to come and set up, there must be that criteria. Um, there's too many youth that are being pushed into menial jobs, menial work with a, a very, very little chance of growth in their careers. And I think like if you want to 
do it, do it. Because I'd really like to know the statistics. And maybe Aiden or Enrique, you will probably know, like, how much income does the city of Cape Town generate from municipal fees and taxes and rates from the CBD? From, yeah. like, CBD, probably a shitload, right? And they, the argument is always, like, they need to see for those people first because they pay their rates and they pay their taxes. And the scraps go to the northern suburbs and, and, and that. So I wonder if that's not a way of kind of, either boosting that or maintaining that by attracting this nomad lifestyle where people are earning more. Um, They're funding probably, they get get some from the state, right? Like the national government gives city of Cape Town. I don't don't understand it entirely and I'm not going to speak on that, but I think we mustn't be under the illusion that this is a democratic process on every single level. Of like policy implementation, like yeah. um, these things are driven by fights that happen behind door, closed doors, right? These are things that happen, yeah. conversations in hallways, you know. So and so, I'll vote for your idea because you'll vote for mine, kind of thing, um, you know. And and I mean, I was listening to this uh, discussion about. That one of those videos I sent you actually, that St. Andrewism channel. The guy was talking about like the failure of electoral politics, like, mm-hmm. like as, as if that's the only solution to deal with these problems. And it, like, it's clear in this case, because there are things, my city bus service case in point. I mean, that thing is set up just for the city bowl. And now um, after uh, how many years now, I see things are happening in Athlone now with the my city. But even so, that's not going to cause solve the problems of that traffic in the city. Like, that's not going to solve the problems of um, of how people get to work and where people work. I mean, the other thing that the yeah. city is doing now is pushing for Belleville to become the next big CBD, right? Like, it's investing in Belleville, and it's kind of like I don't know. One thing that I do want to know is those nine thousand jobs that that Amazon is is supposedly bringing in with that setup of that new um uh i don't know what you would call it center headquarters plant whatever facility let's call it facility Facility. (laughs) um in where the river club used to be um like how many of those nine thousand jobs are actually like qualified jobs and how many are so-called menial or unskilled labor let's call it unskilled labor um jobs and how many of them or like permanent jobs. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes. Or like uh, jobs with benefits. What benefits are there and who is actually going to earn a living wage? Who's going to be able yeah. to pay rent at the end of the month strictly Wilton, from this salary? But Wilton, Wilton said something that I think is the crux of it. Like if people are not, if, if space is not created for people who work in the CBD to live there, then all this is going to do is create a further divide. So now you're going to get people coming in from abroad, uh, renting out spaces that Andrik said could be for, for people who work in the CBD, maybe in like Salt River, OBS, uh, um, Woodstock, like that. And then just keep pushing those people further out. But there's still going to be people needed to be working in the restaurants, the cafes, the, you know, the bars and such. And then all that is doing, all this program is doing, is going to further separate the working class people from their place of work. That's all it's going to do. Unless you create, unless the state says, here's a mixed income housing facility. 
but as space, you said, the, archi- the architecture spaces. is set up. The architecture is set up. It's, no, it's, it's, it, the, yeah. it's, divided. it's divided. I don't think it's an issue of space, though. I think it's an issue of how, through capitalism, everything becomes centralized to, to one space in a city. Yeah. And yeah. like, no, no work exists elsewhere. Or if the work exists elsewhere, it's like below a uh, uh, living wage. And I think I think a lot a lot of the issue with of statistics in South Africa, for instance, employment and earning statistics and stuff like that, is that we set the bar extremely low. So you know our, our poverty, our living wage, our living uh, 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 wage is minimum. ridiculously low. Uh, not it's not a livable, minimum. It's not, minimum it's wage. Our minimum wage is, is, yeah. is ridiculously low. It's not a livable wage. Yeah. Our our poverty line is extremely low. People who, earn, so who, low. people who earn on the bread line can't afford to eat, but we still call that the bread line. I think there's like a lot of, uh, you know, there's a, a large set of concentric circles about what is actually going on here. But I think one of the one of the things that we need to think about is like decentralizing the city the city can't be this you know cape town city bowl between district six uh, and 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 like seapoint anymore it can't, it can't be that that's it's it that doesn't make sense for industry that doesn't and make Job- sense a good for example. the way for the way the population uh for where people are, are living uh people should be allowed to earn a living wage if they wanted to within the communities that they live in. So if they decide that they want to l- live and work in Kells River or in Kailitsa or where Mitchell's Plain or wherever, then they should be able to access that kind of, of work. And and as I'm speaking about work, but I also am, you know, Aiden convinced me, long ago Aiden convinced me, but I think about this every day is that like, a place like South Africa will thrive under uh, a, a universal basic income and a universal basic income that guarantees that you will be able to afford your rent because it means that you will end up spending more money in your community anyway. So like, yeah. it's just gonna, and, the and economy, then, you know, right. everybody, everybody's gonna lie and say, we don't have the money for that. We don't have the finances for that. But the reason we don't have the money and the finances for that is because we're locked into messed up uh, uh, um, agreements with the World Bank and the International Monetary Fund and with, you know, US and and European uh, donor states who have loaned us money. And I, I genuinely feel that, I genuinely feel that, again, this is a crisis of capitalism. Like, yes, it's a, it's a race issue at its core. But 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 race and in my understanding and my reading of it, like race and capitalism, racism and capitalism and colonialism are, are moving together like this. Like there's there's no way that this is not a question of dismantling the capitalist system in the in the country. And I'm not talking about like reform. I'm talking about like you know we need to get rid of it. Otherwise we we're not gonna our people are not gonna survive in a healthy way. We're gonna have an ill country. We already have an ill country because people are people are struggling. Anyway, yeah, I think like no, I, th- I think like that's the entire irony of this conversation. Like, here's a figure, the digital nomad, that is supposed to be completely independent 
of states, right? Like a completely independent of the state of like any reliance on the state. And here we are, um, it's me not say we, but here the state is like, I think the line used by the spokesperson for some other uh, ministry was like, we need to move with the times. Like we need to like, here the state is capitulating to this like world movement towards these individuals who can be anywhere and work from anywhere when actual individuals in this country cannot move or work anywhere. Like the right. irony of that situation is so crazy. Um, our, our priorities yeah. are different. I mean, I mean, it's like with the education, like our oh, STEM and tablets and all this technology getting pushed into classrooms, but we, there's no, the infrastructure is, that's the budget needs to go for toilets, for classrooms, for teachers, for resources, for just, more teachers so the classrooms can be small there's no use having all these ipads and 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 all these programs if you're still st stuck with like 56 kids in a class like yeah it's to look it's the aesthetic it's to attract funding it's to it's it's the world cup all over like all that shit got built. Fucking world cup <laughs> all that shit got built and it was put, like but there was no plan and how is this going to serve the communities like um we need to keep no, but it's, the times. We need it's to, also it's weird. It's also like a, a weird sort of um, projection of this trickle down economics that has become like the, the, no, and it's not even and it's not even the it's not even the um, it's not even the DA on its own. The ANC also believes in a certain kind of trickle. I mean, we can go back. It's and, all like, of them. The, yeah. So like you know, the entire establishment is about trickle down economics, and it doesn't work. And we also live in the age. It has like, not it's, and I think you're right, Walton. Like it is like the 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 biggest hurdle is this capitalist sort of way of seeing the world that focuses on the individual, you know, above all else. Like it's a crisis. Yeah. Like it's a bit. It's a crisis. Like it's that. What did Margaret Thatcher say? Like there's the society doesn't. Society only exists. Only. Um, we don't talk about Thatcher here. Okay, just one thing Who's though, that? society only exists as individuals or there's like only individuals in society, yeah. there is no society, which I think I, we've like, we're living it now, man. Like it's, it's terrifying. We right? are. Yeah, yeah, we are. And that's that, his name. That rhetoric of keeping up with the times, we must also be careful of that because that also means going to a more individualistic setup. Yeah. Can, can, I throw, can I throw something in here? And it's going to sound... It's going to sound ageist, right? But, but I think, but I think that the reality is, is that the people that are in charge of of our lives as young people, making the economic policies, making these these decisions based on whatever they have read, are not young enough to understand the implications of it. Like when a politician says we have to move yeah. with the times, when a politician says we have to move with the times. That's already 10 years too late. Like that digital campaign there for COVID. I, yeah. Again, again, again. You know that I don't like, I don't usually like just saying stuff that's, that's, that's unsubstantiated, but I genuinely feel how does a politician represent my needs or a minister represent my needs when he's like 30 years older than me? How does he understand the digital space and, and, the, they, and the economic impact of it? And Derek, I'm going to tell you something now, bruh. It's, you know, they are too old. They shouldn't be in there. 
But you get a young person in there, they're going to do the same damn thing. I get if you. They are, if they are also a capitalist. Yeah. Okay. That is, that, yeah. is the, that is the crux of the matter. It does yeah. not matter. If they believe that, you know, capitalism is the solution yeah. to the problem that capitalism made through colonialism. And <laughs> Which is usually the case. Then they are going to do the same damn thing to us, Mebaru. So it don't matter how old or young, it, it takes a person who who understands and who has like some kind of some kind I won't even say a moral compass but some kind of compass guiding them uh, other than other than their own pocket and their own bank account yeah anyway I know I know we're wrapping up now so I don't wanna uh, yeah. yeah maybe are, Uncle Aiden can, can are, conclude for us we are as they say approaching the top of the hour so <laughs> what was that <laughs> I'm not <laughs> I just always wanted to say that. Um, yeah, I don't know. This was the first episode. I feel like it went okay. I feel like it was good. Um, heavy topics. Uh, <laughs> if you are listening to this, uh, this is how it's going to go. So, yeah, good luck. Have fun. Yeah, is have that, is that the podcast name? Is that the podcast name? How it's going to go? Good Shut luck. The hell up. Oh, the podcast gonna... name is Jelly and Custard. I thought the podcast name is... Stop, stop, stop. Don't know. Okay. Can we do a proper outro? Can we do okay. a proper outro? What, the, what the hell is the outro? You know how to do outros. Oh, must I do it? Okay. Yeah, All right. I do. Must I do it? <laughs> All right. That was episode that was that was episode one of Jelly and Custard. If you'd like to hear another episode, follow us on the socials. Uh, remember the names that you see on screen go follow those names on the socials as well and then we will be back very soon with a second episode and hopefully with another topic that you enjoy cheers yeah cheers and all the links that we spoke about will be in the show notes cool there we go thanks everyone thank you cheers